0: So years ago, when we first moved here, there was a a lady that I knew she and her husband used to come out here and share the good news of Jesus Christ, the news that you don't have to be good enough and perfect enough to receive eternal life, that Jesus paid the price on the cross. And they used to share this news with people. And, and one particular time, now this lady was, was tiny. She was like probably like 90 pounds soaking wet. And um, they went into an area and they were sharing the the gospel with people. And there were these two huge men, these two guards, and they came up and said, you need to get off our property. And she said, well, it's our First Amendment right to be here. You know, we have the freedom of speech. They said, get off the property or you'll be sorry. And um, so she said, well, I'm sorry, but but, you know, we're here to... To share, and they grabbed her, and they threw her, and broke her ribs, and she was all bruised and everything. And as she's telling me this story, she's sitting on our couch, and she's telling me this story. And I was just like, "That is horrible!" And we had just moved here, so I was terrified. I'm thinking, "What's going to happen?" You know. And uh, I said what does that make you think? Or what kind of a response does that elicit in you? And she goes, all I can say is bring it on. (laughs) little spicy girl. She was just like, bring it on. She goes, I am not afraid no matter what they do to me. So there's even persecution in America. I mean, I know it's different, but that is persecution when you're being beaten for your beliefs and beaten for your faith. But bring it on, bring it on. So today, I know I know my pastor Daniel last week said that we're gonna—he was gonna finish up the Sermon on the Mount, but no, he really didn't finish it up. He just kind of used it as a springboard to talk about what he wanted to talk about, which was fine. But I'm gonna finish it today. So, woohoo! Okay, no, no roaring. I mean on. It's the words of Jesus. Okay. So it does say, um, in the Bible, Jesus says that the secrets of the kingdom of heaven are found in the gospel, in the gospels. So they're found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The secrets of the kingdom of heaven are found within what Jesus teaches. So turn to the person next to you and say, you ready to be changed? Matthew 7, show me your Bible, show me your Bible, come on, hold it up, all right, sweet. Matthew 7, this is the NLT, the New Living Translation, this is kind of my latest jam. Um, Anyone who listens to my teaching, this is Jesus talking, this is the culmination, this is the end, this is the, the final words and thoughts of the Sermon on the Mount, He's given this whole talk. It's been all through Matthew 5, 6, and now into 7. He's talked about all these different things. And this is the culmination. This is what he says at the end after he's talked about how to be blessed. You know, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the persecuted. Blessed are those who are meek. You know, all of these different things. He's told us how to be blessed, how to be happy. He's talked about anger, And comparing anger to murder, he's talked about lust, comparing lust to adultery. He's talked about judgmentalism. He's talked about doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. He's talked about false prophets. He's talked about the two paths. Remember the one, the the wide road that leads to destruction that many will enter, and then the narrow road that leads to life and few will find it. That was a That was a great message. I don't know. You guys, you know, you can get all of our messages on theadventure.church, or you can see them on YouTube. And by the way, hi, American Fork. We love you. So Jesus says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. So get this. Anyone who listens to my teaching and Follows follows it is wise. Like the person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on a bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it. So they've heard it. They're accountable. They're responsible. But they don't obey it. That person is like a person who builds their house on the sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. And when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of the religious law. So today we're going to talk about the builders. We're going to talk about the foundation. We're going to talk about the storm. We're going to talk about the end result. We're going to talk about trials and all of these things. And it's good news. You see, Jesus is so cool because he, he tells it like it is. He really tells it like it is. And his whole goal, his whole desire for us, just like, you know, holding that little baby. You know, I, I, don't, I don't think most parents set out to mess up their kids. You know, we all do. <laughs> Unfortunately, we make mistakes, but our intention and our heart's desire is to bless our kids. And how much more does God want to bless us and prevent all of the stuff that can happen to us as a result of not honoring him and not obeying him and, and building our house on the, the shifting sh- sands, you know? So in this story, this is, this is a parable. Who knows what a parable is? What is it? It's a story, but it is a story about something in the physical realm that has a, a parallel or a correlation to something in the spiritual realm. Sometimes parables could be based on a true story. Sometimes they are a true story, but sometimes they're just, Jesus is just kind of giving this little analogy. In this case, he's talking about these two builders, one that builds his house on the and one builds his house on the Okay, so these two guys are the same. They're basically the same. From everything we read, scholars say they don't. there's not a big difference. They're actually, because they both heard the word, so that would imply <clears throat> that they're probably both good Jewish boys. They probably go to synagogue and they hear the word of the Lord. And so they build on the rock or on the sand, right? So as far as we know, they're the same. Everything looks the same. They're, you know, just good, hardworking guys, they build this house. In this particular parable, the, the phrase build your house, building your house, it refers to your life. It refers to everything in your life. It refers to your family life, refers to your work life. It refers to your character, your, person, you know, your personal um, affairs, and your ministry, How many of you know that you're called to the ministry? You're all called to the ministry. If you name the name of Jesus, you're called to ministry. It may not be like this ministry, but it's some form of ministry. We are all called to be ministers, to be servants. That's really what that means. We're called to serve. And so when you build your house on serving others rather than serving yourself, Jesus is saying that you're wise. So the word wise means thoughtful, intelligent, prudent, mindful of one's interests and forward thinking. It means grounded and balanced. That's what Jesus says wise, but he's specifically talking about wise in the fact that you obey the word of God, that you reverence God. And he says anyone who listens to my teaching and follow and follows it. So there's a lot of people that can quote a lot of scripture, right? They know a lot of Bible verses, they know a lot of spiritual principles, but they don't obey the word of God. So they're not necessarily considered wise. They're knowledgeable, but the difference between wisdom and knowledge is knowledge is knowing something, but wisdom is applying that knowledge. So, so a wise person hears the word and applies it to their life and, and builds that into the foundation of who they are. James one twenty two says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. The NIV says you, you're deceiving yourself. The Amplified Bible says, prove yourselves to be doers of the word who actively and continually obey God's precepts. Don't be merely listeners who hear the word, but fail to internalize its meaning. Don't delude yourselves by unsound reasoning, contrary to the truth. So the word foolish in the Greek comes from the word moro. Anybody have any idea what English words come from that? Moron. Moron. (laughs) So Jesus is saying, build your house on the rock. Otherwise you're a moron. Right? Right? You're a moron. Turn to your neighbor and go, don't be a moron. Some of you meant that more than others. <laughs> One of the things that morons do, don't, don't say it to people if they're just guests here, though. One of the things that morons do is they do whatever they want. They lean on their own understanding. They decide what's best for them. They do that. They don't care. They don't take input. They don't care what other people say. They just think they know everything. So they just do that. And you know what it says in Proverbs 14 1? It says, The fool says in his heart, There is no God. The fool. The moron. I just want to say it with a Jewish accent. Moron. I'm telling you, he's a moron. So if you do religious activities and do all these good things, But you're not necessarily obeying the word of God. You're a moron. (laughs) Aren't you so glad you're here today? Build you up? (laughs) You know, the other day I went to uh, um, the governor's mansion. The governor. I went to the governor's mansion um, for this interfaith lunch. So I was kind of like, oh, I don't know what this is going to be like. And it was a little strange. There was literally every single... I offended them. It was every single religious affiliation that you could admit. I love you. <laughs> I won't call you morons anymore. I promise. <laughs> I love her. Um, but so there were, you know, there were all kinds of like, there was a Buddhist priest there. There was a, a guy who called himself a rabbi, the Lieutenant rabbi, because his dad was actually a rabbi. There were, um, a lot of different new age things. One of the people that I connected with the most, though, was a Zen Buddhist priest named Anna. Ugh, I just fell in love with her. And she and I are, are contacting each other and we've been talking back and forth and I just adore her. But the thing is, as I sat at this luncheon, and there were a lot of believers there too, there were a, a lot of pastors there. Um, you could really tell the difference, though. And the thing is, as I looked around, my heart just broke because I thought, these people are so sincere. You know, they're really, really sincere. And they're building this house on sand. You know, a lot of the different religions have have elements of truth in them. You know, most religions have kind of some semblance of truth. But the distinction is you have to build your house on the rock, which is Christ. And Jesus says of himself, he is truth. So these people are building and they're so sincere. They're really, really, truly sincere and they believe what they believe. But but I always say, you know, you think about it. On 9-11, when those guys flew into those towers... They were sincere. No one could ever accuse them of not being sincere. So sincere, in fact, that they were willing to give up their entire life for their cause. But it was built on sand, it was shifting. It wasn't the bedrock, the rock, which is Christ. And you know, with the foundation, the foundation is the most important part. Are there any construction workers here or anybody ever built a house? You get it. You know, how important is a foundation? Yes, it's the most important thing. Am I right? It's the most important thing. And you know, sometimes in our lives, we've built foundations and we've built upon those But you know, sometimes if there's a foundation that's been laid and it's a bad foundation or a weak foundation or unstable, you have to go in and remove it before you can lay the other foundation, the good, solid foundation. And I think that, that to me is kind of like sometimes with our Christian life, with our life with the Lord, you know, we have all these ideologies and all these ways of thinking and all these philosophies that are flawed, And that when you get into the Bible and you start reading the Bible, it exposes that. And it goes, you've been thinking about this all wrong. You know, the Bible says of itself that it it has everything that we need for life and for godliness. The Bible addresses everything. Maybe not specifically, but in principle, it addresses everything. And it gives us that wisdom. And if we build our life on that, build our life on the solid rock, the truth, which is Jesus Christ... It says, then when the storms hit, we'll be fine. Okay, we're going to talk about the sand, okay? So if you build your house on sand, which is shifting, which is subject to drainage and water and settling and all kinds of imbalance and everything, it is not going to stand when the storms come. The guy that, that remodeled our house for us in California, he talked for hours about this, the importance and the significance of a solid foundation. He talked about how important that was to get that right, because we were in an earthquake zone, so it was really important that we have a solid foundation. I'll talk to you a little bit later about the earthquakes, but... Um, In Israel, back in the time when Jesus was talking about this, they had what were called wadis, which are are areas in the desert. They look like this. And they look like pretty good places to build a house, right? I mean, if you didn't know what you were doing, you'd think, yeah, that looks... I can do that. I can do that. You could build your house really quickly on that until April. And then the rains come, and it will literally wash the whole thing away. And that will just become a river. These are like dried up riverbeds. And so when Jesus was talking to these guys, he was basically saying, how stupid, how moronic is it to build your house on a wadi? Basically, he was saying, don't do that because then when the storms come, your house is going to get washed away. It's going to be devastating. And so the thing about sand is that sand is not solid. There's nothing solid about it, right? What is sand made up of? security? <laughs> Don't mess with the messer. I'm telling you, you'll regret it. <laughs> Any, anybody intelligent want to answer that question? <laughs> oh. broken, broken, bits of- broken bits of rock. Exactly. Which is also called sand. So you were right. <laughs> sand is, is little tiny little rocks. But they... I guess there comes a certain point where they're, it's called sand. And sand, this is pre-sand. So that's before it turns to sand. But the thing about sand is that it's too small. It's little bits. And that's what I'm saying. It's like pieces of the truth, little tiny pieces of the truth. But they don't form together. They don't provide a solid substance. Which is what I love about the Bible. Because the Bible is so logical. Everything makes sense. Like I said, it covers everything. If you doubt the veracity of the Bible, or if you think somehow that the Bible, oh, it's been translated so many times, no, false. There is so much evidence that the Bible is actually exactly within a couple of percentage points of exactly what it was when it was originally written. And like I said, it addresses everything every principle, particularly if you're looking for like person-to-person relationships, read the Proverbs. Those really talk to you about human-to-human. If you want to understand about how to pray, read the Psalms, and it will give you that insight. It will give you the wisdom, and you will begin to understand the character of God. And then the letters in the New Testament, they, they talk about you know, how to deal with other people and church business and all kinds of stuff like that. It covers it all. But the thing is, the sand is just little bits and pieces of rock rather than the rock, which is like the word of God. And so the problem with sand is that you build on it and it shifts and it changes. It can change at any time based on the storms that hit it. And I like to say, you know, Jesus has a lot of fans, right? Right? I mean, who's going to get down on Jesus, right? It's like, a lot of people go, yeah, Jesus, he's a good, he was a really good teacher. Yeah, Jesus was a great prophet. Yeah, Jesus, yeah, he had some really good things to say. But they're not followers. They were like the 5,000 that came to get something from Jesus, but they weren't there to surrender themselves to his lordship. They were just there for whatever they wanted. They were sand builders. They were the ones who built their house on sand. They do what they want. They evaluate situations and circumstances based on their own understanding, which is contrary to what the Bible says. What does the Bible say? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. Sand builders... They can appear fine until the storm hits. And that's when you start to really see the truth of the character. Because we're all going to go through storms. Am I right? Job 14.1 says, Man born of woman is short-lived and full of trouble. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> I'm just continuing to encourage you. <laughs> you know, sand builders are fine until the storm hits. I have a leaky window in my house in my bedroom and so you know it doesn't rain here all that often so I don't think about it until it rains then at you know three in the morning I can hear it dripping I'm like I have to get up and take care of that so I'm shoving towels and everything but I don't think about it until it rains sand builders are kind of the same way everything's fine until the storm hits and that's why it's so crucial to have your foundation in the rock not on the sand not in the wadi when we were in taiwan last year we visited a, a building called the taipei 101 and it at the time they built it it was the tallest building in the world there it is so that's just the front it shows you what it says and that guess why they call it the 101 101 stories. Yeah. At the time it was the, it was the tallest building in the world. Um, Can you show the chart? There's a, there's a little chart here that shows where it is now relatively speaking. Um, That is the, we're going to look at that in a minute, but that's the 101 building right there. And they kind of, they debate whether or not it's, you know, inhabitable floors or if it's just the structure or whatever. Anyway, at the time it was, um, it was built. It was over 1,700 feet high. The Burj Khalifa, which is right there, can you show the picture of that one next? That's what that looks like. That's in Dubai. That one is almost 3,000 feet high. Talk about having to have a a firm foundation, a strong foundation. So that's the tallest building in the world right now. Go back to the next one. the the one o one, Taipei. Here we go. Oh, back, no. The, the one after that. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Taipei one o one. Did I have one more picture? Yeah, I think I did. There we go. So that's it. So that picture. That's what it looks like in downtown Taipei. And then on the side, that I took these pictures from the fiftieth floor. This is actually a cool story. Do I have a minute to tell you a story? So they have a church on the 51st floor and it's by invitation only, which seems really strange, but it's all famous people and like actors and news, news people and everything. And the reason that they, that they have to have invitation only is because these people want to go to church and they want to worship the Lord without having a bunch of people stand around them taking pictures. So they actually had a church and we visited that church. It was pretty cool. We got invited But that building was considered the most solidly constructed building ever. And it talks about the foundation. It was designed to withstand 197 feet per second wind gusts. And it is designed to withstand typhoons, earthquakes, hurricanes, all those things. As a matter of fact, when they were building it, when it was at the 56th floor, there was an earthquake and five people ended up dying. Five of the workers ended up dying, but they continued to build it. And now they say that it's very flexible, which caused me to think, how important is it for us when the storms hit us and when the trials hit us to be flexible and to trust God in the midst of it? rather than being so, like, I wasn't supposed to lose my job, or I was supposed to make more money, or I wasn't, I wasn't supposed to be diagnosed with cancer. I mean, there is a certain flexibility that can come with putting your faith and your trust in the Lord that when those storms hit, you can kind of give a little bit and continue to stand firm rather than getting blown over. I won't tell you much more about the uh, 101 other than it's 660 feet from a fault line. So they had to build this foundation super, super strong. And so the foundation is reinforced by 380 piles that are driven 262 feet into the ground and extending as far as 98 feet into the bedrock. And each of these piles is 5 foot In in diameter and can bear a load between 1,100 and 1,500 short tons. So I want to ask you this: What's your foundation? Is the foundation of your life built on your circumstances that can change? Is it built on relationships that can change? Or your finances? that can sprout wings and fly away is it based on your athletic ability or your power at work or your position or your status or is it built on the rock which is Christ it says in psalm 18 i love this 182 it says the lord is my rock my fortress and my Savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He's my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. Building on the rock means that you have to give some things up, like your life. (laughs) Jesus said, if you want to find your life, you have to lose it for his sake but if you lose it for his sake you will find it and then when the storms hit you will stand firm you will not be shaken so let's talk about the storm anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on the solid rock though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise the winds beat against that house it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock you notice in this story the storms come to both homes one is not exempt. Just because the house is built on the rock doesn't mean the storms don't come. Everything is the same except the storm here. In the original language, the, the storm that hits the wise man house is prospito, which means to, to fall upon, to fall down, to fall before, to beat against, or to rush violently upon. These are the trials that come to the righteous. The Bible says that it rains on the just and the unjust alike. God is not unjust in allowing trials to come to our lives, but it is the testing of our faith. It says in first Peter, it says the testing of our faith produces, it produces gold. It's like, it's better than gold. That's refined when it goes through the fire. So when we go through trials and storms and tests, our faith is being strengthened. And so the thing is that 1 Peter 2 says, yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him, talking about Jesus. But for those who reject Jesus, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And conversely, in proscopo, which is the the storm that comes to the foolish man's house, you, you guys know that song, the wise man built his house upon... Don't you think the second verse should be in a minor key? Foolish man built his house upon the sand. It's so sad. It's like they sing this little song about the foolish man's house is gonna. It's like, why would you. Anyway, I won't talk about that song anymore. This is talking about stumbling, striking your foos, foot against it, beating upon, or taking offense at. First Peter 2.8 says, He is the stone that makes people stumble. The rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. This is the foolish one. This is the one who builds their house on the sand. Because Jesus is the one thing that determines whether or not somebody will become a Christian or not. People can talk about God all day long. But as soon as you mention the name of Jesus, everything changes because, it, because Jesus is the name above every name. At his name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. It doesn't say that about God or Lord. It says Jesus. Anyone who hears these teaching and doesn't obey is foolish. You know, when, when these storms hit, it says in Hebrews 12, it says, endure hardship as discipline. So when when trials come your way, when storms come your way, rather than than questioning it or getting angry like Job's wife, remember Job's wife. After the, the story of Job, if you don't know it, he was the most righteous man on the planet. He was the wealthiest man. He was just this this. He had it made, and suddenly in one day he lost everything, and it was a testing of his faith. And yet, he remained true. He said, though he slay me, yet will I continue to trust him. His wife, on the other hand, said, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? So she clearly did not, you know, she didn't really go with it. She was pretty ticked. And, and we're the same way sometimes, aren't we? We go through a trial, we get ticked. We get annoyed. How could God let this happen to me? How could God do this to me? don't we? Or we get surprised. Oh, I I had no idea this was going to happen. You get a diagnosis or you have a friend betray you or you lose your job. But it says in 1 Peter, don't be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you. It says, don't be surprised. Or we go into self-pity like David in Psalm 13. How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you reject me? He's like feeling so sorry for himself. And don't we do that? We go through a trial. We feel so sorry for ourselves. Self-pity is a terrible counselor. Do not take your advice from self-pity. It's not a good place to go. The other place we go is worthlessness. Well, I guess I deserve this. I just, I don't deserve anything better anyway, which is just the opposite of me holding that little baby and saying, how much love does God have for us? Or do we go to fear and anxiety? Oh no, what am I going to do? I can't make my mortgage payment. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. Oh no, I don't think I'm going to be able to keep my job. Going to that place instead of going, though he slay me, yet will I trust? I believe, I trust God. Or do we get discouraged and depressed How do you respond when you go through a storm, a trial? Do you go to guilt and shame, try to figure out why God's punishing you? Whatever it was that you did that was so bad that God's punishing you, not always. I mean, for those of us who have been in sports, you know that the training season is horrible. (laughs) It's awful. You run and you do sit-ups and push-ups and all kinds of things to strengthen you and to train you so that when you get in the game, you'll be able to perform and you won't get run down and worn out and that you will have the victory. That's the kind of discipline when we as believers go through storms. God is disciplining us for our good. So do you go to any of those places or do you go to the point of joy where you recognize that it says in James 2, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it A great opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Bring it on. Bring it on. I trust God. And when you're firmly grounded and submitted to God and trusting Him... You can graduate, but you know if you go through the same trial you 're going to be going around and around and around, so learn from it. be instructed so that you can produce a harvest of harvest of righteousness and peace when you 've been trained. You know for those of you who, who don 't know my story, um, my husband passed away about twenty months ago and um, and about, I'd say probably three weeks ago, I was reading a section of the book of 1 Corinthians and it talks about widows. And it says, you know, if you're a widow, don't, don't seek to remarry because you can give your life fully over to the Lord and you can give yourself completely to building the kingdom of God. And at first it was a little rough to read that. But then after a while, it was like, I realized that I was at a point where I I saw it as a gift. It's not a gift I ask for. But it is the situation that I'm in. So rather than begrudging God or being ticked or feeling ripped off or discouraged or fearful or whatever, I am going to embrace it with joy. And I'm not saying that that I'm not still going to have hard days and that it's not a, a painful process, but I just think... That's what this scripture is talking about. Trusting that God is so faithful that no matter what you go through, that when those storms come and hit, you are going to remain. You're not going to get blown off the, off the ledge because anyone who hears this teaching and doesn't obey is foolish. And it says, it's, it, the word is petosis, a, a falling or a ruin or a fall. And it says that you should be built on the rock, the rock, the Petra, which is Jesus. Can I have the worship team come back up? We're going we're gonna to sing a song. We're going to worship the Lord. But I just want to ask you, what is your house built on? Is your house built on Jesus? Another way to word this is what is your hope in? What, is, what are you putting your hope in? Are you putting your hope in your finances? Because you know that can change, right? Yes. How about your relationships? You know, Psalm 41 9 says, My close friend with whom I shared my bread, whom I loved, whom I trusted, has turned and lifted his heel against me. Relationships can change. They're shifting and changing. Your stuff, your stuff's all breaking down. Are you putting your hope in your stuff? Are you putting your hope in your reputation? Are you putting your hope in your job? You know, there was a guy who came through in California. I mentioned the earthquakes earlier. And the Loma Prieta earthquake, I think over 600 and some people died. Um, I, we lived through that earthquake With very little damage to our apartment because it had a very solid foundation. But there was a guy that came the the Sunday after that earthquake named Jim Kincaid. He was a Scottish guy. And he came and he gave a sermon and he said, You've got to get out of the earthquake zone, (laughs) you've got to build your life on Christ, which is the rock. Get out of the earthquake zone. Every day is a 10 when you're in the Lord. And that's what this is talking about. Get out of the earthquake zone. Get out of the shifting sand. Plant your feet on the rock. His mercies are new every morning. Did you know that even if you've planted your house on the sand, built your house on the sand, today he can turn it into bedrock immediately with a change of your heart immediately. His mercies are new every morning. And there are two things that you have to do to build your house on the rock. You have to believe that he is Lord and you have to obey. There are five words in John chapter two, these are words to live by. Do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. Jesus says, if you, if you hear my words and you don't do it, you're a moron. Sorry. It's Jesus, not me. He said it. Don't be a moron. He said... Be wise, be blessed. I want to pour my favor out on you, he says. I want to bless you. I want to give you exceedingly abundantly more than all you can imagine or ask. I want to give you the peace that transcends understanding. I want, to, I want you to guard your heart and your mind in me because I want to give you everything you need for life and godliness. I want to pour out my blessings. I want to show you a sign of my favor because I am a God who helps you and comforts you get your feet out of the sand get on the rock be secure he will protect you he will be your fortress he'll be your place of safety he will be a place of comfort and provision and blessing i don't want to put my feet on on anything i don't want to build my house on anything that can change So I just want to encourage you allow the Holy Spirit to come in and change your heart. If you had your house on the sand ask the Holy Spirit to come in and when these storms hit have your house built firmly on that rock.